Hey friends, what's up? It's me, we're live. Um, so this is, it says I'm live, yay. Let's build an audience. So hey friends, um, for those of you who haven't joined me for office hours before, um, welcome. Just a reminder that any uh, advice or questions that I answer, come strictly from my perspective, from the offices that I've worked with, um, from experiences that I've had. They are in no way, shape, or form the end-all and be-all in this industry. It's just my opinion. But hey, I'm here, and I am willing to give my opinion. So if you have questions, do. Please put them in the comments. Hey, hey, friends. Um, please put them in the comments and let me know what you would like for me to answer for you. So um, earlier today, I said I was going to go live, and I had some great questions already asked to me. I'm going to pull him up right now. Um, great. So the first question was, uh, who are your favorite headshot photographers? Um, so that's a really, really great. I would love to come to your school, Todd. <laughs> um, uh, so the first question that I had was the headshot photographer question, um, which is great. And the first thing I'm going to say before I mention any names, though I do have a few names that I love. Hey, thanks for the love, Kels. Um, Headshot photographers are really, really, really specific for you. Um, so, just changing this light because I look very blown out. Um, so, with headshot photographers, I think, you know, you can pay a lot to get a really pretty shot, right? That's fantastic. Um, but what I would say is you need to really gauge how much money you have to spend, how much time you have, and take a minute and really assess because what happens when you show up for your headshot day is um, you need to feel as comfortable and as confident and as excited as possible, right? That's just the truth. So if you're spending $3,000 on a headshot package and headshot photography is not, or and $3,000 is not something uh, that you just like have laying around, you're going to show up with anticipation fears um, and you're not going to have the best shoot you can have because you're going to show up and be like, I just spent $3,000. I better, um, I better for sure get amazing photos. Right. And when you go in with that, like moment, you 100% are not going to get the shot that you want. Right. But if you have found a photographer that you've spoken with, that you feel really confident is going to produce a great picture for you and is in your price range, there's a little bit more freedom, a little bit more excitement, which is great. If you have $3,000 to drop, honey, you better pay it. You better pay $3,000 and get exactly what you want because then you can walk in and you have nothing to lose, right? So set yourself up to win on your headshot day. They are so important. Um, and there are lots of people in the city doing beautiful work at different price ranges and different types of environments. So the first thing you need to do is look at all of their work. You, they should have a portfolio online. If they don't, what are they doing? Um, and then you really need to communicate with that person and feel out what their vibe is. Because when I'm looking at headshots, and I think I can speak for a lot of people when, when they are looking at headshots, and it's, it's more than just looking pretty. It's more than just having a point of view in your shot. I want to see you at your most confident and easy and excited, right? So if you sign up to take shots with someone and they are uh, not vibing with you, I'm going to feel that when I look at your picture. And you know that because you've experienced it. And we've all heard those kind of horror stories. So people that I love. Okay, so first and foremost, 
right? We're going to take the time. We're going to look at the portfolio. We're going to get to know the person. If they're not communicating with you, they're not your person. So you're going to do all of those things. People that I love, headshots that I do love at lots of different price ranges. Um, Billy B Photography, Billy Bustamante, he's fantastic. I wrote this little list down. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Great. Um, Justin Patterson, Billy B, uh, Michael Kushner Photography, he's, he's great. He also does Trick or Beat, which is hilarious. If you haven't seen that, you should look at that. Shout out trick or beat. Um, Suburban photography, S-U-B slash urban photography. There's some NYU kids that started photos and they're just, they're beautiful. Um, Eric Tronolone, I probably said that wrong, T-R-O-N-O-L-O-N-E. Eric is great. Um, you know, and if you've got the money, honey, Dirty Sugar, Matt Murphy, these people do beautiful, beautiful shots. Um, uh, so those are some people that I really love. If you specifically uh, need that list again, oh, I have a great show. Oh, go be a mermaid for all of us. I'm so jealous. Love you. Oh, the bangs are all at. Thank you. Um, have a great show. Um, so great. So those are people that I love. If you need that list, you can just send me a private message and I can send you a list with all those people as well. So that was a two-part question, though. The first part was the headshot. And then the second question was, okay, is it more effective to have a two-minute reel with one great scene you're proud of and then a quick montage of other short clips? Or B, just scrap the reel and only use the 1.5-minute clip of that one great scene? Okay, that is a, a big question. Um, and it's a little nonspecific in terms of what kind of reel you're putting together Wes, so I um, am going to um, I'm going to answer. Assuming that it's not about musical theater, we're going to assume that it's uh, for film and TV. So here's the thing: if you don't have a whole lot of material to put on a reel, um, hi friends, thanks for joining. Uh, if you don't have a lot of material to put on a reel, uh, I great. Thanks for answering your question. Dramatic film and TV. Hey, Wes. Thank you so much. Um, so if you have not done a lot of TV shows and you don't have uh, a lot of material to put on a reel, but you have one great scene that you feel shows a whole lot of things, um, I, I see you, I hear you, and I value that. Um, I do think if you have other material, so I graduate theater major time during the summer. Great, I'll get to that question so soon, Philip. Um, so if you do have other material, I do think it's always nice to have that to show uh, different aspects of a look or different aspects of, um, I mean, really, honestly, it's about the look, truth be told. Um, so if you have very, very short clips or if it's just a visual, I would put those actually at the beginning, like, if it's under 10 seconds, under 15 seconds, I don't know how many clips you have or if they're sound or if they're just visual, what they are. Um, that is definitely something that I would put on there. But the truth about reels is uh, we know what we're looking for when we're watching them, especially in film and TV. Um, and so we're looking specifically for something. And if you're sending a reel to a CD versus like an agent manager experience, um, I, I would think that you're sending it for a specific reason as well. Um, so I think in terms of sending just a clip, it needs to make sense that you're sending that one clip. Does that make sense? Like it, it needs to, it needs to match the project that you are sending it in for. Um, so 
that's kind of a roundabout way to answer that question. I do think there's a world in which you need to have both. You just need to know when to send them. Um, I don't think you need to put the other, thanks for the like, I don't think you need to put the other, um, the other material at the top of the, the minute and a half clip that you have, unless it really shows different looks, something super different. But at the same time, you know, 90 seconds, I guarantee you the whole thing will not be watched. Um, so I would think about that full clip as well. Uh, if, if you need that whole scene, I highly doubt it. Um, if there's a way to trim it and then put the other things in that might be more helpful. Again, this is just my opinion. There might be other people who say something different, um, but I, th I, I do think that's true. Most people are not going to watch a full 90 minute unless it's something different. We, we will stay active if you are showing us changes, but if you don't have that kind of material, I would condense. All right. Um, okay, so we have a question from Bessie as well. When you have reels, do you think it's better to have clips only from live performances or is it okay to actually go to a studio and film some stuff, i.e. monologues and songs? Bessie says she had a mentor once tell her not to generate material. Okay, oh yay Wes, I hope that was helpful. If it's not, keep asking questions, I'll, I'll keep answering. So Bessie, in terms of generated material, uh, your mentor is right and is wrong but is probably also a wonderful human being. So take everything that they say with a grain of salt or listen to it. But I will say it's better to have material than to not have material. And if you have to generate it, well then generate it. We live in a world now where a lot of people are seeing a lot of things on the internet. Um, oh, my cat is going crazy. <laughs> my cat is going crazy. Um, so I, you know, when we go to your website or when someone is looking for for something uh they need to have something to look at so if you don't have clips from shows if you know and, and lots of times shows can't be filmed for a reason if, you know because of equity whatever um if you don't have that kind of material then yes you need to generate material because i can i can figure out what i need from you whether you're doing it on stage or you're doing it in a studio so i i, I think you know if you can have a mix of things that would be fantastic if, if you do have footage of you especially if you're a dancer I, I gotta see you know I would love to see you dancing with a partner on a stage but at the same time look if you want to create something beautiful and choreograph a piece with a friend do it I, we just need to see you doing what you do so I really appreciate what your mentor is saying it does look a lot more professional clearly uh, if you know <laughs> if we see you doing a show, that means someone hired you to do a show. So there is something inside my brain that's like, ah, she can do it. Um, but just because you've created something beautiful in a studio, I can also see that you can do it. Um, so I, I agree with your mentor in terms of the, the professionalism of the look of something on stage. But at some point, I want to go to your website. If I'm, if I'm taking the time to scout you out online, honey, I want to go to your website and see what you can do. So I, I think that might be helpful. It also says, also, are there must-haves that you should always take with you to an audition? That is your journey. That is specific for you. What I will say wholeheartedly, though, is you better have everything you need in case anything will happen because everything will happen right so bring your dance stuff even if they tell you you're not going to dance we've definitely i definitely had days where we bring singers in we want to call them back they're not available to come to callbacks so we have to see them do some sort of movement and if you don't have the right shoes to do that in well you're not giving us what we need to see so bring everything you need have a change of clothes um you might get real sweaty 
you don't want to be real sweaty. You know, all of those things. That's really personal, but they're, you know, you, she wrote, I feel like people show up with a trailer of things. Yeah. And the people who show up with a trailer of things are never going to feel unprepared. So I don't see why you wouldn't do that. Um, however, you know, if you're lugging around things to all sorts of auditions, it's a workout. <laughs> it's, it's your free workout, I guess. That's, that's the way to look at it. Um, but that really is a personal journey. And I think that's something that you can figure out from doing all of your auditions. Um, okay, so I had another question before Jade, but Jade, I will get to your question. Okay, Philip asked, what do you think is the best use of an undergrad theater major's time during the summer? Summer stock, internships, making money at home, etc. Okay, so um, great. First of all, yeah, undergrad theater majors, doing your thing, I love it. I really think, the, for me, my personal opinion, is if you okay it's it's a twofold answer philip if you know that coming to new york and being a performer is the only thing that you want i think you should definitely use your time trying to do as much theater during the summer as possible. You should audition, you should do summer stock, you should do all the things. But what I really would encourage people to do, and this is something I've been talking about a lot recently, is a lot of people go to school for theater, a lot of people do musicals in high school, do all the things, and they don't realize how many other opportunities in the industry there are and, and how it all works. So for me, I think the most prepared actors are the ones who come to New York during their summers and do internships at casting offices, do internships in press offices, learn the other aspects of the industry twofold, because you might find that actually your, your passions and your intelligence and your skills are going to serve you better in a different kind of environment in this industry, which is what happened to me. Um, or you might learn something about the process, which is wildly important, which will give you so much more of a step up when you do showcase and when you do graduate from school. There's, um, you know, casting and the world of auditioning and how to get the part. A is so much about connections, which you would make in the city. And B is just so much about understanding. I hate the term the game because it's not a game. <laughs> it's a job, but understanding the process of the industry, right? So I do think Spending your time in New York and or, you know, whatever the kind of closest industry is to you. If you're in Georgia, going to Atlanta or working in in D.C. or Seattle or Chicago, finding that kind of hub that's near you and taking the time to um, work in different aspects of this industry, I think can only help you out in so many ways. It just is, is vital. So, you know, if you're like, screw that, I'm never, ever, ever going to learn anything in a casting office, I'm going to hate it, or I'm never, ever, ever going to do anything with press, it's going to be awful, um, then don't listen to me. Go be a musical. Come to New York, audition for Summerstock, do your thing, go do six shows in Oklahoma and live your best summer life and get that resume full. I hear you. It's also really important. But I can't tell you how helpful it's going to be to you in terms of meeting people, making connections, and learning about other aspects of the industry. I hope that was helpful. Um, I wish I had done more of that, <laughs> truth be told. Um, but I think, oh, Tyler, I love you. You're wonderful, too. Thanks for that. Um, so I think that's that's probably 
my real answer for that question. Um, I just think when we're younger, we just don't learn. And even in college, I don't think colleges are really teaching it. Um, what other aspects of this industry there are, what other jobs there are. We only see people who are actors and directors, and that's it. We just don't know that there are millions of other jobs, what it means to be a producer, what it means to work in casting, what it means to be be a dialogue, a dialect coach. Like there's so many other things and becoming that well-rounded member of this industry is gonna be just just the cream of the crop. You're going to rise to the top if you have those other things and meet those other people. I just can't tell you how many jobs people get just from knowing someone. That's 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 it now. You know, that's it. So that's what I think would be great. Jade asked me, what do you think is most valuable? Staying true to a type or versatility? Oh, Jade. First of all, hi, Jade. I hope everything's going great. Um, you're wonderful. Second of all, that's a really, really, really interesting question. And, you know, it's, um, it's very specific. Uh, hold on, I just got a little comment. Oh, you're welcome. Philip, I hope that was helpful. If, it's, if it wasn't and you want to keep asking me the questions, keep asking me questions. Um, so, Jade, I think for me, <sighs> versatility is always wildly important, right? Like, the more things you can do, great, because then you can get hired for more things. But when you stay, when you say true to type, I think that's a really important question because like, what is type? How, what is your type? How do you know what your type is? These are all like great questions and it takes time to figure it out. That just takes time. When people look at me and they're like, I know exactly what my type is. I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> tell me what your type is. And then when I actually talk to them for 20 minutes, I'm like, oh boo, that's not actually your, your type. Um, just a reminder, your type is who you are, how you experience the world, how you see it, how your instrument that you've been given and you've worked on helps you express your opinions and views of the world. That's your type. Ingenue, what does that even mean? What kind of ingenue are you? That's how you show, how you express the text that is given to you. That's your type, period, the end. So. You know, I say over and over again, once you figure out what that is, um, oh, Scott, I'll get to that, I promise. Once you figure out what that is, I think it is really important to stay true to that because I say this over and over again to all of my clients. You got to do one thing a lot before people are going to give you the chance to try something new. And we see this over and over. Think about your favorite performers, right? Like I had a client the other day be like, ah, oh, Sutton Foster. Look at the first couple of gigs that she did over and over and over again. It's always the plucky, you know, spunky, uh, kick your face, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, that was it. And then, all of a sudden, someone was like, hey, I think I trust you to play a dominatrix in a play. And she did. And, and so it's that, it's that thing of once you find out how you bring yourself most to the text and to the work, doing that over and over and over again and being very good at it and and continuing to bring it into the room because that's the thing is if you get on a list as like oh you're the cool edgy you know alt girl who you know sings with a raspy tone i want to know that you're going to be able to do that over and over and over again when you come into the space right so um i think that's important uh I love it, though, when there's someone who I think I know or, you know, 
when someone tells me that they're a type and they go in and someone's like, well, can you do this very different thing? And you do it. That's amazing. But I do think it's that thing of you have to do something over and over again before someone's going to give you a chance to try something new. And that's just kind of, that's true in any industry. That's really true in any, any industry, but it's, it's definitely true in ours. Um, I hope that answered your question, Jade. Let me know if it did. Um, if not, I, I can go into more specifics. Scott asked, what about those who are in between types? Um, you know, I don't necessarily know that I believe that that's a real thing, being in between types. Um, I think what you're saying is perhaps you don't actually know. Bye, Wes. Um, Oh, great. I'm so glad. You're so wonderful. Have a good night. Um, Scott, I think what when, when people say, like, I'm in between types, I, like, I totally hear that. I see it. I value everything that that means. But I don't necessarily know that I believe that's a real thing. Um, I think that means you can do a lot of things. You can do different things. Um, but again, what I want to know when you are talking about a type is not like, oh, well, I'm a character actor who can sing, you know, funny songs. Well, that's great. What, again, what I think we need to reframe when we're thinking about types is, what do you as a human being bring to the text that other people don't? How do you view the world and how do you express that worldview as an individual? And then how do you apply that to vocal type? How do you apply that to... Um, you know, your skills, right? So I think a lot of people who are really funny, who are like the comedic type, um, you know, we're also seeing kind of a shift in the way that things are being cast. There was a time when like, nicely, nicely, I'll get to you in one second, Jenny, um, when like nicely, nicely had to look a certain way. And like, now he doesn't. Lots of different people are funny. Lots of different types are funny. Lots of people can sing high. Lots of people can sing, you know, so... It really is about understanding what you and nobody else can bring to the same text that somebody else is reading. Um, and, and so I think that's how we need to start talking about type and reframing it. And yes, that then falls into categories, um, but everything falls into categories. And I, I I hope that kind of answered what your question is, Scott, but I feel like there's like a part two to it. So I would love for you to, um, I just got a text message. Um, so I would love for you to write back and tell me specifically kind of more of that question. Um, maybe specifically for you, because I'd love a great example and then we can move forward. Um, okay, Jenny, how do you feel about people wearing the same shirt as the one in their headshots, especially if you only see the collar and the shoulders? Um, that's... That's really specific, um, and I love it. Also, this is Diet Coke in a mule cup. I promise I'm not drinking a Moscow mule while I'm doing this. Mm. So I don't think... Oh, yes, major part two. Yes, honey, bring it, Scott. Um, Jenny, this doesn't really bother me, uh, and, and I don't think it would really bother anybody else, but I think if you're doing it because you want... Um, you want like someone to remember you based on what you wore into the audition room. Um, I don't think there's, that's a reason to do it. Uh, you know, if you're, if you really feel in that shirt that you were wearing in that headshot and you really want to wear it because you think it's appropriate for the show you're going into, uh, or the audition you're going into, then like, by all means, please do it. It's not that deep. That's the thing that I like want to reiterate over and over and over again in my office hours and in my coachings is, it's not that deep. Like <laughs> the truth of the matter is there are a lot of other things to worry about 
a lot of other things to worry about than if your shirt matches your headshot. Um, I think wear it if it's uh, appropriate, if it makes you feel great, if you feel sexy and beautiful and that's, um, that's what you want to wear in your audition, great. But like the people behind the table have a lot of other stuff to worry about that has nothing to do with your shirt matching. Yeah. So at some point, let it go. Like, wear what you want to wear. Wear what fits the audition you're going to. And if it happens to match, it happens to match. No one's going to, like, when you walk out the door, no one's going to be like, oh, that girl with the matching shirt. Ugh. We got 15 other things we have to write on that piece of paper. So if it's appropriate, I say go for it, for sure. Um, great. <laughs> great. So while Scott is writing the part de of the in-between types question, since I don't have another question, I do kind of want to dig into that, um, that idea of like, it's not that deep. I've had a lot of clients in the last week, um, that I've been working with who are all great and who have wonderful questions. And I, and I love working with, uh, with people who have great questions. Uh, but lots of them are so, so, so specific and minuscule. And it's just this thing where people will find any reason to get in their head about the process of auditioning, the process of, of this work. And like, I get it. <laughs> I absolutely get it. Um, and I, there's a reason that I don't, I don't do what you do anymore. Truth be told. Um, it, it's, it's not, it's very easy to build up walls over very small things that stop you from from working to the to the utmost of your abilities. Um, and I just want to remind you over and over and over again that like it is not that deep. It's not that deep. Like you need to wear to an audition what makes you feel awesome. You don't need to dress for the audition unless you're going in for like kinky boots and you need to like be a drag queen. Well, then like dress for the audition. But you need to, to not worry about these little things. What people want to see is you being entirely ready and happy and honest and excited and truthful. I mean, I get it. That's, that's like a loaded ask, right? Like that is a loaded ask. But these little things don't really matter. So if there's any way that you can set yourself up to win all the time, do it. Set yourself up to win, whatever that means for you. Um, and, you know, and if you have those little questions, come talk to me because we can work through them and figure out how to get them out of your head. Um, I just, it's just really important that you don't let those little tiny things, those little details get in the way of you doing the work that you signed up to do and that you love doing. And those little things snowball into big things for absolutely no reason. So that's kind of my like spiel for the day. Um, Scott, are you ready with the second part of your question? If not, I am going to talk about um, something else. He's trying to figure out how to word it. Um, does anyone who's in here have questions? Oh, Jenny, focusing on positivity despite what is happening in America. It's been a struggle for a lot of actors. Recommendations? Yes. Um, so, positivity is a struggle for a lot of actors. Yes. Um, oh, Ford, any additional advice? I'm trying to find out what your type is. Great. Okay, so I'm going to do positivity real fast, and then I'm going to keep talking about type. So... I think it's hard right now. It's been a rough couple weeks for a lot of people, myself included. Um, and uh, I think 
it's important to become active, politically active, community-based active, all of these things. So I think the best thing to do for positivity truly is like wake up, smile, say hi to people, talk to people, take your headphones off, unless the music makes you super happy. Um, and really, really, really get community Get involved with your community. Get involved with people. Hang out with people. Get out of your house. Eat delicious nachos. Like there are still great things happening. Pick up a book about stuff that you're excited about, that you're passionate about, um, that you are excited about learning about so that we can come together and, and be a great community moving forward in the next four years. Um, and, and learn about it. Become active. Write something. Get people together. Do all the things. Um, Yes, like, get it together. Um, okay, so I'm going to go back to some other questions that are about the industry. Um, any additional advice? I'm trying to find out what your type is. All right, Ford. Hey, by the way, hope you're doing great. Um, and then there's another question about types. So I'm going to read that one too. I like the idea that you speak of as far as type, and I see how it relates to myself and my career. Sometimes it's hard to convey that special type in such a short amount of time in the room. Okay, so I think both of those questions kind of fit together when we're talking about type. Um, when, when we talk about finding out what your type is, you know, I really believe that we are, as an industry, we're kind of getting stuck. I think the idea of types is really helpful in that uh, it makes it easier for you to sell yourself. It makes it easier for people to make lists of people. We type them. Um, it, it, you know, it makes... Cut, making cuts at an open call easier when you say like, oh, we're going to type and then we just go through and we get what we want. Um, but I think the real way to discover what your type is, is two parts. It's taking the time to uh, clearly understand what your skill set is, right? Clearly how you were born, what vocal cords you were born with uh, establishes what kind of music you can sing to some extent. So that piece is just the basics, right? It is truly what you were given as a gift for your life, uh, what your instrument is. So that piece is going to go into your type. And that is going to be very helpful if you see on the page like, oh, I can't sing that thing. Well, then we know you're not that type. But when it comes to the other piece, you know, you got to take the time to know who you are. And I think that's the biggest problem with a lot of people right now in this industry, in the world, but in this industry, right? Since that's what we're talking about. Um, people go to undergrad programs and they quickly establish who they are in that world and they get to do those kind of, um, those kind of parts. Um, and then they decide that's their type. And they don't take the time to get to know who they are as a person, which is really what informs what your type is, <laughs> what kind of humor you have, what kind of humor you like, what kind of authenticity you can bring to dramatic text. These things come from living a life, from exploring the inner depths of who you are. It's not like, oh, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a sassy, quirky dude who can kick my face. No, that's what you can do. And that's helpful if someone is looking very specifically for that, but it's not your type. And so, you know, a lot of the work that I do is sitting down with individuals, listening to them, talking to them, figuring out um, what it is that they really want and how they can apply who they are to, to what they want. And sometimes it doesn't go together. And I think we have to do a mind shift of, um, of what you want 
think you are, what you want, and what you actually are, and how you can thrive in the reality of who you are. Um, I know that's kind of heady when we're talking about type, and, and a lot of people are just like, well, you are pretty, and you are 19, and you are an ingenue. And I, I think like, okay, well, great. Um, but I know there's more depth to that. There's more... Um, there's more that you can do. So when it comes, Scott's question specifically was, I like the idea, um, how do you convey that special type in such a short amount of time in the room? And I think this gets back to, it's not that deep, which is my kind of go-to <laughs> phrase. Um, you show it when you walk in the room, right? Like that's kind of the truth. When you walk into a room, when you've taken the time to really explore who you are, what you really want and how who you are can apply to what you want. We know it and we can feel it and it's instantaneous. When people come in, yes, Scott Montgomery, honey, clap it out. Um, when people come in to a room and it's, it's fun or it's not, you know, or it's, it's, I'm so awkward and this is who I am and this is how I can apply it. Like, that's great. <laughs> that is absolutely great. We can see your type based on who you are and how you walk into the space. That's the gag, honey. That's the gag. Like, it's the people who are trying to do something else when we go, oh, no, you just don't know. Um, and that's not to say that you can't do something that is so completely removed from who you are. But even that work is wildly informed by you understanding your type which is really just what does your life experience and the body that you were born into and that you work on, how does that inform the text, right? And so some things can really change that. Like some things can really, really change that. I told a client the other day, she needs a cool girl haircut. She's so cool. She's tremendously cool and she didn't have a cool girl haircut and she really needed one and that's going to change the game for her. And it is. And those are kind of basic things that you can change physically to manifest your type. But the truth is the reason I told her to do that is because she's just kind of this like chill, inherently cool woman. And she wasn't showing it. And as you start to do that, as you start to manifest these things, both physically, um, uh, how you dress, how you carry yourself, that is when we know your type. That is when we can see it. That is when we can start bringing you in for the, the real things that make sense for who you are. Um, and that's how you show that instantaneously. It's not your song choice. It's not, you know, it, it's not the like, how I say hello when I walk into the room. Like, it's none of that shit. It's none of that shit. None of that shit matters. What matters is what you bring to the song that you're singing. How it shows us how you see the world. How you, sh you know, do it. Again, if you're coming in for something that's really specific, Look, if you're coming in to read for... Uh, the biopic of Martin Luther King. Okay, <laughs> you you need to to be Martin Luther King. That's a very specific experience, right? But if if you're if you're coming into audition for Cosette, there are lots of different versions of what Cosette can be. I gotta know what you, an actor coming in, are gonna bring that is special about the way you view the text through your worldview to let us know what Cosette you're gonna be. That's great, that's, that's it, that's simple, that's easy. 
once you've done the work to figure out what that is. I hope that makes sense, Scott. Um, you said love that, so I'm guessing it probably made a little sense. Um, but that is, that's kind of how I feel about typing. I think this industry is doing a lot to become a machine. You know, casting in particular, it's just, it's just this machine now. You know, in and out, in and out. We know what we, we want. And the truth is, if that's, that's where it's going and that's what it is, then you really, really, really got to take the time to know when you walk in um, why, why you're walking in and uh, what it is that you are, are bringing to that space about your worldview. Just take the time, man. Take the time. Um, because the machine isn't going to stop. The machine doesn't have time to stop to ask you those questions. So there's just like nothing better than working with someone or watching someone audition um, or working with someone who uh, on a coaching when they come in and there's just this confidence of self. And that doesn't mean you have to be like cool and confident. No, we need all sorts of things in this world, in this industry, in this here universe. Um, but being confident in, in that, in that, the presentation of who you are and how you read the text and how you speak to us as a human matches. It all matches, right? So it's not just enough to be yourself. It has to match. The look has to match. The singing has to match. The way you read the text has to match that. Um, and that takes time and work and effort to figure out. And sometimes you gotta go to somebody else and ask them. And that's not like a pitch to be like, come work with me. I'd love to work with you. Um, but sometimes you got to ask other people. You have to ask other people what they see in you. Um, and then maybe you just like don't agree. And you think, oh God, that's not what I want other people to see in me. Then you have to take the time to do the work because you only get 30 seconds to let us know what we're supposed to see in you. And that's also true for Tinder. That is also true for meeting people in the grocery store. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of all plays together and, and great. So good for it. I'm so glad you agree and it answered your question. I love the perspective of type. Great. I'm really glad it speaks to you. And if it doesn't speak to you, friends who are still watching this, great. Don't listen to me. That's fine. This is just my my advice. All right. So I'm going to stay on for like another 10 minutes. If anybody else has questions, if they don't have questions, we've done 40 minutes friends, which is awesome. Um, and we've discussed some really great things like type. Oh, thanks for the heart. Um, like type, what is type, how to figure out what that means. Um, we also talked about my favorite headshot photographers in New York and how to get a great headshot. Um, we talked about reels, which is awesome. So if you just joined us later and I have no more questions, I'm going to log off. Um, but feel free to go back to the beginning of this live stream and check out what we had to say about headshots and reels and auditioning and types. All right, friends, this has been Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin. I do this every Sunday. I'm starting it now. We're going to do it every Sunday. I have been lazy bones. That's not true. I've been doing a lot of things, but I've been lazy about this. So every Sunday at 6 p.m., come check in with me. 
Jared, you just joined me. If you have a question, let me know. If not, I'm out. <laughs> um, and this live stream will be available here. I'm also going to put it on the Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin page. Um, so if you haven't liked that page, go check it out. Um, and feel free to look back on all the other Office Hours we've done. I've answered a lot of great questions, and you guys are the best. I love you all so much. Keep your heads up. Keep doing the work. Oh, um, do the work. Dig deep. Look into yourself and figure out what story you want to tell every day and then tell it. And if your body is not manifesting that, and if your book is not manifesting that, and if your team is not manifesting that, then you need to work on it. You need to do the work. And that is what I have to say about that. So I look forward to talking to some of you later. I hope you're having a great day. And mwah, thanks for joining us for Office Hours. <laughs>